Thank you, Chris. Hey, let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you again that uh, you loved us enough to send your son to do what we could not, uh, to die for us on a cross, and he has saved us. So wherever people are uh, tonight, uh, in their minds, in their hearts, in their self-esteem, maybe they could be here and be in a position of doubt, uncertainty where they're going in life. I pray you just give them clarity tonight, clarity of your word, clarity of what you've done for us, clarity of, of your covenant with us and how much you love us and that we can sing. And it's, it's not simply just uh, uh, singing a beautiful song, but uh, proclaiming how marvelous is the love that you have for us. Uh, you love all these people. I uh, pray that they would uh, be here and leave here knowing your love, your word, your son, our Savior. We love him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can take a seat. And uh, again, thank you all for being here tonight. We have uh, a lot that has been going on uh, in the church tonight. We, uh, uh, several of us just finished a deacon meeting. Uh, deacons, if you don't know, if you're new, uh, have oversight over the finances, the property, personnel. I know some of that bores some of you, but some of you may be interested uh, to know they meet uh, monthly. And then also, Mr. Jeremy Wolf, uh, right over there, he is starting a group right after this, 7 o'clock. Uh, it, it's really for big questions. Um, Yeah, we need a mic for you to say that, so, because, no, I could hear you, but, uh, you know, I was just thinking, we want to grow this group because there are people who are not here that y'all may know have big questions, and we have had groups like this before, uh, and they've been very popular, so uh, if you know someone who has big questions, wants to understand Scripture, the truth of Scripture more, uh, more than just here uh, in this this larger gathering, Jeremy will be leading this group. 7 o'clock Wednesday night from here on out, right? Okay. Thank you. Jeremy is on our staff here at church. We want this to be a time, we call this our equipped service. We want this time to give you more tools, honestly, than we would on a Sunday morning to grow in your Christian life. Uh, Again, we've just finished work. It's middle of the week. Uh, Nobody has to be here. Nobody has to be on a Sunday morning. We're thankful. But a lot of times we get in a routine on Sunday. So we are so thankful y'all are here because we know y'all are here because y'all want to grow. So we're like, those who come Wednesday night, we want to give them more tools, go deeper into Scripture, give them more opportunities to serve and grow in the life of this church, but also for prayer. All of us have people in our hearts, and we just got finished. One of the big things we do as deacons is they get a prayer list of uh, prayer requests in and out of our church. And so we want our church to be covered in prayer. We want you to be covered in prayer, and we want that to grow in the life of our church. So please use this time uh, in worship, in looking at God's Word, after not just for community, not just for learning, but to give your prayers uh, to the Lord, our Father, our Savior. Okay, question for y'all. How many of y'all really, you know, it just, it rattles you, it frustrates you, it just ticks you off, that's a church word we can use, when someone uh, does not do what they say they're going to do? Uh, when someone breaks their word, does it, uh, does it mess any of y'all up? I mean, it does me. Gee, I know it does you. 
Okay, thank you. Heisel does you. I know it does you, Heisel. But, like, does it really get on your skin when someone, someone has given you their word, they've said they're going to do something, and then they just don't? Does that bum you out? Does it ever happen? It happens not constantly, hope, hopefully, but it does happen in our lives. So what if I, Brother Kevin here, and I, I shake, shake my hand, Kevin. So it's like, you know, my word is my bond. You know, it's a handshake. Mr. Boyd here, he's old school. I love him. He's got his old Miss Colors on. And, uh, and we say, we operate, hey, a handshake, that's all I need, right? You, I mean, you probably raise a handshake's all I need. I don't need no contract. I don't need it spelled out. That's good for you, isn't it? That's good for many folks. And then sometimes people break that bond, unfortunately. And we got any lawyers here? I'm about to go off on lawyers. No, uh, no I'm not going to go off on lawyers, but our society has gotten so legalistic. I mean, now you've got to throw a contract on everything. And we just talked about contracts in a deacon meeting uh, in church uh, regarding money. And it is just, you know, thinking about because we know, unfortunately, unfortunately it's the sin in us, but people don't keep their word a lot of times. And people don't do uh, what they say they're going to do. Now, I'm a pastor, and I believe y'all are here at church, because we do believe there's a God who does what he says he will do, who's done what he said he would do, and will do even more that we don't even know of. Uh, and that goes all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, that he is never, will never break his bond with us. And he has made a covenant with us. And so you're going to be hearing a lot of that word uh, tonight, covenant, that God has formed by Jesus Christ uh, a covenant with all of us. Now, you may not know that. You may have read your Bible and seen that word a couple times because it's really throughout the Bible. You wonder, okay, I know God loves me. We say that a lot. We sing that a lot. I hear that a lot. But covenant, that God has a covenant with me, kind of don't understand that. So tonight, I want to help uh, in the time that we have share, like, what is this covenant deal that God has with us? Why is a covenant so important? And I also want to start, we'll talk about this more next week, why a covenant's important here at Bellwether. Because we actually have a Bellwether Covenant, uh, some of those uh, who are new. It's on our website, but it's nothing that we wrote. It's actually just Scripture, beliefs of Christianity. But we do ask, just so you know too, we ask those who are members, because we really want to value membership, we want to lift it up, we want to put high expectations on members, uh, to sign that covenant. Now, I just talked about legalities and lawyers. We're not going to you know, go lawyer up on anybody with that. But we believe putting a name to something, to any document, I mean, it, it adds weight to it. That's why John Hancock did his John Hancock, because he's like, I want him, to, you know, the king to see my name. And so we want those who say, man, I feel led to Bellwether, to also say, hey, we believe the same thing, we're growing together, and to put our name, put your name on the, on the life of this church. Now, but first, more important, and what y'all may not have realized, is that God is in a covenant relationship with us. Uh, so we're actually just reflecting what God is doing in us if we're Christians. So take your Bibles, and I'm going to throw uh, a fair amount of Scripture at you, but go back, not to the very beginning, but close to Genesis chapter 9, story of Noah. We all know Noah. Kids know Noah. One of the first stories taught in Sunday school. Animals, two by two. Blood, Noah, all of that good stuff. But this is the end of Noah when God uh, first begins to talk this covenant language 
uh, and says that he is making a covenant with Noah, but also with us. Because you're like, well, Jesus, you know, this is Noah. This is even before Abraham, some of y'all who know your Bible. So it's it's not even New Testament. Why are we even doing this? Because there's a new covenant. Well, the covenants reflect God's covenant with us. And I want to show you all that tonight, okay? And it's very important. I'm actually excited about this teaching. I mean, I'm excited about all of it. But there's stuff, I think, that I want to show you all that you may have never seen in Scripture that I hope um, really just pours forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, Genesis 9, I'm going to read verse 7 through uh, verse 17. And so this is the end of really the flood story as we know it. Uh, Noah and his family have found land. And here's God. This is God saying to Noah what he should do. Listen here. Verse 7, And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. Uh, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you. And your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations." I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now, uh, many of us have heard this Sunday school story before. It's a good story. Uh, A lot of us uh, think about Noah and we think about the rainbow. Uh, Probably if you're like me, when you see a rainbow, uh, you do, you know, if you know your Bible, you think about, you know, God promised that he would never flood the earth again. Now, I know this, is, uh, this may be physics, I'm not really a science guy, but, but how is a rainbow shaped? It's, it's like, it's that, right? I mean, it's, it's that way. I mean, it's not a U, correct? I mean, it, there's not a U rainbow. It's a bow. What's a bow, you bow hunters? You know, big Caleb, you bow hunt? You okay, you bow, you know, bow, it was a bow, okay? I don't bow hunt, but anyway, I respect bow hunters. So it's a bow, and it would be a bow too if it was a U, but... In terms of a bow and arrow, it's interesting here that he says bow. He doesn't say rainbow, he says bow. You know, and I was wondering, like, if there were bows and arrows that far back, uh, you know, before the flood, uh, probably, you know, there was a lot of people, and, and God had to, you know, kill them, so they were probably doing bad things, and they were probably making weapons and killing one another. So I'm just going to imagine there was a bow, and he was using the term bow, God was, and so it was shaped like this, and not like the U, right? Because if it was a U the arrow would go down to the earth. I want you to catch that, okay? If the bow was a U, a rainbow. I know it's not. I know physics, weather. You know, I used to love... Y'all are from Memphis. Who was the meteorologist in Memphis? Dave Brown. I used to love... I used to want the Corvette Dave Brown had. I know y'all are like, what are you talking about? But you're tracking with me. Anyway, there I go using tracking, Chris. Anyway, um, so there's a bow, and, you know, it's curved this way. So why is this important? Well, God says, I'm never going to flood the earth again. I mean, you know, I'm not going to destroy the earth by water. 
Why did God flood the earth? Because human beings, humanity was acting uh, bad, sin. Killing one another, cheating one another, doing sinful things. God said they're wicked, I'm just going to start over. What has humanity been doing since then? It's not like we got all good. Let's just take the 20th century. Holocaust, two world wars. Let's, right now, man, I mean, I'm really like concerned about ISIS, Putin. I mean, no offense on podcasts. I'm, I'm concerned about all this stuff. It ain't good. And yet God, you know, not only has he not flooded the earth, I mean, he has not destroyed the earth. So, you know, what's the deal? Are we just waiting for the future, you know, return of the Lord, which will happen? Well, there's a covenant promise here. And it is tied to Jesus, even all the way back to Noah. See, I think this is cool. The bow is like that. And God's arrow is going to be shot up into heaven. It wasn't shot down. The wrath of God did not come down on earth again. Because God sent his son to sacrifice himself. You getting this? Like literally the bow, the arrow was going to who was in heaven. Who was in heaven at that time? Jesus. And he was saying, yes, humanity is sinful. Yes, you know, we have these things that we don't deserve, which is just life itself. And God's saying he sent his son to take the place of what we deserve to substitute himself for us. And so the bow is part of this. Even back way here, it foreshadows this covenant that God was going to let his son die. So the wrath of God, the arrow, again, going up to heaven, the wrath of God would come down on his son for us. I think that is, I don't know, when I just see the way things tie in all the way back to Genesis, uh, it's just the Bible, Scripture, the Word, is, it's beautiful what he has for us. So he says, you know, I'm not going to flood the world, I'm not going to destroy it by water. Here's the bow, the sign, because I'll put my wrath because we're still doing bad stuff on my own son, Jesus. Now then, another part of the covenant would be a few chapters later in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, God uses the word covenant, talks about covenant again, but with a different guy. This is Abraham. And there's also an aspect, though, of the covenant that we have with God that we see here. For Noah, it was that his wrath, God's wrath, would come upon his son to get what we deserve. And that's why, you know, if we trust in the work of Jesus, you know, we can be saved. But here's something else that we need to do that we see in Genesis 15 with Abraham. So verse 1, and I'm going to just read through verse 6. It says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram, not Ab- Abraham, Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. 
Now flip over Genesis 17, just one page or one page in my Bible. I'm just going to read a couple verses about Abraham again, verse 1 through verse 8, because it ties to this covenant with Abraham, the covenant with us. It says, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Okay, stop there. Now, why I read those two passages, how they connect, is God saying, you know, with Abraham, you know, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the father of many generations. Look up the stars. That's going to be your descendants. We are Abraham's descendants. I mean, it went from Abraham going to David to Jesus, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but to Christians. And he said, you know, nations will spring forth from you. Kings will come out of you. And Abraham didn't even know, you know, who his this son would be at this point. So the key verse in all of this is verse 6 in chapter 15. said, he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, another aspect of the covenant then, God tells him how he's going to bless him, uh, with family that he won't even know, with people, with kingdoms, with, with blessings and descendants. And he can't even see this, but he believed. And because he believed, it says God counted it to him as righteousness. Or a literal translation would be right living. We can't see all the blessings that we will have as followers of Christ. Okay? Uh, not in this world, not in the world to come. Uh, I mean, you may be here, and, and it may have been a tough week. It may have been a tough day. You're like, man, I'm, I'm having to force myself to, to come tonight. Uh, the temptation is just to go. I don't think there's football on Wednesday night. Or I don't know, now they've got football like every night, you know, just about. But, well, I, there's not, because Dukes and Russell will be watching football. Anyway, but, you know, you're like, you know, okay, I'm here, but it's been a tough day. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to, like, see the blessings that we have, that God has carved out for us. Uh, our lives, our families, our church family. So there's some blessings that we have to remind ourselves of, but there are other blessings that we don't know, but they're going to come to us. I mean, God has promises this. If nothing else, what I preached about Sunday, the crown of life, the crown of life, who pushed through the trials of this life, the crown of life that God promises. You know you have that in Jesus. But I also believe there are multiple blessings here that are both internal, the Spirit working in us, that are external in relationships, in brokenness being healed, in new life, in mission, in God giving you a mission. There are all these blessings, but we've got to believe. Just as the covenant with Noah was about what, how God honestly would save us in Jesus, the covenant that we see here, Abraham had to believe. And it goes on in the Bible, I'm not going to read this in, in Hebrews, we'll read another passage, 
about how Abraham believed and because of his faith. So a big part of Christianity, we say this in groups all the time, and honestly, I don't always like this response. You know, you just got to believe. Brother Tabor says that all, you know, some of it you just got to believe. You can't, you know, a lot of times I'll try to reason it out and want to think it through, but there is this, this faith deal that, that we can't see uh, all the time, and we can't sometimes see the next step, but we take the step because we know God is there. So this covenant in Abraham, and God talking to Abraham, we see faith that he had, and I hope that y'all will have faith. Now, real quick, I want to go to Jesus, because he is Jesus. So flip to 1 Corinthians 11, just a couple verses. Because even though the covenant with Noah and Abraham foreshadowed, big word there, which meant, you know, kind of showed a bit of what was to come, uh, it's given full life, full manifestation, in Jesus, in that the covenant with Abraham had to do with a people, his descendants, Israel. With Jesus, he said, man, I'm going to open my arms wide on the cross and for the whole world. That's why we too, us Mississippi folk, are descendants of Abraham, are connected even with him because of, it's not because of Abraham, it's because of Jesus. So Jesus expanded the covenant and Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read verse 23 through 26. And this ties to communion, which we do here. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with this passage, but it talks a lot about communion, the Lord's Supper too. Verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus saying, you know, you you know about this old covenant because he was talking to Jewish folk. Here is the new covenant, which is for the world. Which basically, no matter where you're from, no matter your family status, no matter what you know, no matter the religion you thought you knew, no matter your color, no matter your class, no matter the, the baggage that you carry, no matter the sin you've done, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm here for you. You're mine. And I want you to know that I'm coming for you. I'm dying for you. And so when we take communion, and we do it very often, just about every Sunday, and that's intentional, because we want you to literally see what Jesus has done. And we believe that it's a a sacrament. If you don't know what that word, that means a a literal expression of the power of the Holy Spirit going down. We believe in two sacraments, baptism and communion. So that we, even though we can't see it or know what's going on supernaturally, the Holy Spirit's working in communion. And when we take communion, we remember what Jesus has done. Jesus said that. But we also proclaim it, which is so important. That literally, in coming to take communion, you're, you're proclaiming the Lord's death, what He has done. You're taking this step of faith. You are believing, which I think is is awesome. And you're saying, I believe in this covenant that God has for me, that he loves me. He allowed his son, or his son was willing, he sent his son to die for me. And then the last verse I want to use is in Hebrews. So flip a couple pages down. Hebrews, if you don't know, it, it really talks more about a covenant and the covenant God has with us 
from the Old and the Old Testament, foreshadowing the New and the New, than just about any other a book or letter in the Bible. But I just want to read one passage and then tell a story, and we'll be done tonight. Um, Hebrews 8. And this, the author of Hebrews is talking about the covenant that we have today. Not something in writing, except the Word of God, Scripture, but that we are all, if we have Christ, we are part of this covenant relationship with God. It began back at the beginning. We saw it in Noah. We saw it in Abraham. Jesus is the new covenant. And here it's fleshed out even more for you, for me, for us. Verse 6, Hebrews 8. I'll begin. It says, As it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new coming, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Uh, What is salvation? What is life in Christ? What is this covenant relationship? What is this deal? What is this gig that we talk about or preach about or worship about or try to learn about? Much of it is right here. A covenant putting the laws, the teachings into our minds, writing them in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have a God and that we're His people, a Heavenly Father, and that He is merciful towards us, even in the depths of our sin, and He even remembers our sin no more. And He loves us. And He will continue as we are willing to put His teaching on our hearts. So I'm so thankful you're here, because regardless of what I say or what we sing, the Holy Spirit is working supernaturally on your hearts to, I believe, sear God's Word into your minds and into your heart and do uh, much more than anything Bellwether could do. Praise God. Now, I'm going to close with this. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week. But, you know, we have this covenant too. Uh, again, it's on, online. You can see it. And basically, it is what we believe as Christians. Belief on God's word, belief on his son, that he was sent to uh, die for us. It's John 3.16, for God so loved you, he sent Jesus. And whoever believes in him, trusts in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. It also talks about how we want to grow together. And we list on there, really explicitly, about ways that we can grow. And I always just say it like this. You can come into Bell, or you can walk through those doors. Uh, we'll take anybody, and, and you definitely don't have to be perfect. But at Bell, we don't want you to stay the same. We want to grow, and we want to grow 
together uh, internally and with our actions. And I had, just, I had this awesome testimony. I was talking to a person, I'm not going to say who it is, last week. And, and this person uh, is committed to the church but hasn't joined. And this person said, you know, I've been reading over the covenant. And they said, you know, I'm not struggling with it, but I decided I really want this for my life. And they said, you know, there were things in my life that were unhealthy and not for the best. And I want to change them because I want to be a member of this church and I want to grow more. And I was like, praise God. I mean, that's what it's for, that, that people take seriously being a member of a church. I mean, so many churches just like, you know, you know, you want to come in, you join on the phone, basically. Oh, yeah, you know, they'll take anybody. All churches should take anybody. But to be a member of a church, there should be a, a, this higher value that we believe in Jesus. I mean, look, there's some churches, I believe, that will take in members, and they're not Christians. And a lot of the, the causes, frankly, of conflict, and we've raised our hands about people getting burned by a church, happen when the leaders or the people don't believe the same thing. And we're going to say, you know, we can, we can study and discern and, you know, maybe have some, some different views on things, but the majors, the John 3.16, the Bible being the Word of God, uh, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that Jesus is the Savior, that there was a literal death and a literal resurrection, that we too, believing in Him, will have literal resurrection. Those majors, we want to be on the same page and want to be growing together. And this person said, there were just things in my life that I had to change, I had to stop, and they've stopped them. And it's like, that's, that's what it's for. We want, we want your life to be good, but we believe it can be saved in Jesus. And it can be even better than, than any of us have imagined in him. Your marriages, your families, this church. When Jesus is in the center and we're all growing together, there's, there's nothing, nothing like it on the planet. And that's what we want. So we want this to be your home. But we want you to know Christ most of all and grow in him together. So let's pray. Chris is going to come lead us in a, in a worship song and use this time to... Uh, to give your prayers to God, but you may want to use this time to commit your life to Christ. And it happens in a moment, and it can happen any time. Say, Jesus, I'm not perfect, and I don't know everything, but I know I need saving, and I believe, like Abraham, and like many of us here, we trust in you. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the relationship that uh, you don't just promise us, uh, you show us, in your word, um, in sending your son, in giving us the Holy Spirit uh, here with us now to lead us to Christ, to teach us uh, things and open up your word. And not just through the reading or the preaching or the teaching of it, but through one another. And so thank you that we're a community that cares and comforts. And I pray that we would just continue to, to grow and reach out by the power of your spirit and see lives transformed in Christ. Thank you again for our time and I just pray these people would give their hearts and their lives to you and as they do so, know that they can give you anything, any trial, any burden, any care and you'll be there for us. In Jesus' name, amen.